0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Oh, no. Fight Back with Libby Nimer on Zoomer Radio with guest host, Jane Brown.
1: Libby is on vacation this week. Well, not only have we heard the unsettling news of 700 new daily cases in Ontario, 700 new cases of the new coronavirus, new modelling put together by researchers at the University of Toronto, the University Health Network, and Sunnybrook suggests the second wave of COVID-19 in Ontario could peak around mid-October with 1,000 new cases a day. Before I heard the 700 this morning, I thought, no, that, that can't be possible. But when you hear 700, 1,000 is not that much more. They also say that enough people will be sent to intensive care, that hospitals will need to scale back non-emergency surgeries. But the scientists also caution that this forecast could be downgraded if stricter public health measures are put in place. Joining us to discuss, epidemiologist Dr. Timothy Sly at Ryerson University. Dr. Sly, thanks for being here.
2: Good morning, Jane, pleased to be here.
1: How do the researchers come up with, the, with this modeling and these kinds of projections?
2: Well, we always want to distinguish between a, a real trend upwards and just a, a little spike. I mean, the daily rates are always spiking up and down and up and down. But this shows a definite trend upwards. But remember, all the data that that they're using, for example, every case, every new case that's that's, uh, discovered, uh, actually the the infection took place a week or more ago. Every hospitalization is about at least two weeks ago. Every death is about five weeks that the infection took place. So the data that they're starting to work with are all in the past. And so it's actually worse uh, worse than we realize at any one given point.
1: So what criteria is used? This is, this is the criteria from, as you mentioned, a couple of weeks ago to as many as five weeks ago.
2: Yeah, the, 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 the data in this particular illness is never very reliable. I mean, the actual official, official case count is probably a, a sixth or an eighth or something like that of the actual number of infections. That's why we don't even use case fatality rate anymore. We use infection fatality rate. But it's based on a trend collected over time so that you're looking on a daily rate looked at over weeks. And when you begin to see the increase... Up to five, six, seven times in that period of time, and it's showing no signs of weakening or going down. Uh, that's that's when we're worried. If you look at the at the at the rates uh, over over e- week over week over week, you'll find that there's a sudden spike around Mondays and uh, Mondays usually most weeks, and that's simply because. We're seeing these up and down. The weekend doesn't produce quite as many figures as the weekdays, but ignoring that, just looking at the trend over week over week, we're seeing this increase. Now it was down to about 100, to 70 at one point, and now it's up to virtually t- 10 times that now, 700 and something a day.
1: How concerned should we be as Ontario residents, or residents of the GTA, which is primarily where we have the infections?
2: Yeah, and uh, we we should be concerned because we shouldn't be here. I mean, we knew that once we let people out of their apartments and out of their base went back downtown and started walking around. We knew that people encountering other people would see an increase, but we hoped that would be a very, very small increase, easily managed, easily dealt with. But it looks as if uh, we've been a little more careless than that. Most people aren't, but it only takes one or two in the crowd to be careless and they can spread their goodwill around. And we're seeing the numbers uh, higher than we would ever have hoped for. Uh, If this goes on, we might see a second wave that's worse than the first. I hope that it isn't, but in many cases in pandemics, it does work like that. Remember, there are four main dynamics here. We've seen one in action already. That's the behavioral aspect of a second wave. You know, people not wearing the mask regularly or wearing it under their chin or going to parties or, or going to bars and so on. That's one aspect, and that's something we can't control. The other three are, uh, uh, are sort of inevitable with the cooler weather. One, we're getting more bodies per cubic meter of uh, indoor airspace as we move in out of a patio and the backyard and inside. Secondly, you've got the temperature. As you as the, the air that you breathe out is still really hot at 37, 38 C. But if the rest surrounding air is a little cooler now, say 22 degrees, a big difference there. So your air with all the particles and bits and moisture and droplets all raises up higher than it would normally do, floats around before it comes down. So in other words, it's, it moves among more people in the room. And lastly, of course, you've got the, the humidity. Canadian uh, in the uh, air is usually quite dry and if that air is really dry the moisture around the, dry, the, the viruses remember nobody's breathing out viruses all the viruses are inside droplets no matter whether they're 0.2 of a micron or 100 microns of inside moisture droplets but if the dry air will evaporate that moisture meaning that you can get more floating virus that that lingers for a while. So the mask is your best bet against all of that lot.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, even... Uh, in every scenario, effectively, when you're mingling with people outside your bubble, you should be masked.
2: Oh, you've got it. You've hit it right on the head. Yeah, In the beginning, the message was, if you remember way, way back, the end of February, uh public don't need to wear a mask. It doesn't do it much good. And just leave it for the medical people. And then that changed to, uh, well, wear a mask if you have symptoms, just to be sure. And gradually it came out to be, if we all wear a mask, then even if we don't have symptoms and we've got the virus, we're going to stop it spreading around. And that's where we are now. So it took a long while to get here. But having got here, no doubt it's your best friend, other than distancing. But we can't stay so many meters away from everybody else. So we are going to be close to other people. So the mask is your best bet.
1: We're speaking with epidemiologist Dr. Timothy Sly at Ryerson University, Jane for Libby here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. And our conversation is based on new modeling that was put together by researchers at U of T, the UHN, and Sunnybrook, suggesting the second wave in Ontario will peak around mid-October with a 1,000 new cases a day. Dr. Sly, is that a worst-case scenario, or is that a realistic scenario?
2: I think you'll find it's a, it's a fairly realistic scenario, and it could go either way. Uh, if we really abandon common sense, like they're doing in Florida, I heard yesterday that the that all of the restrictions have been removed now, and people can go swarming into bars and, uh, and so on. If we see that, it could be far worse and extend far longer and higher. But if we uh, tend to put the brakes on a bit and stop this fooling around and uh, and uh, calling hoax and breathing on everybody and... Uh, singing and the, in the karaoke and so on. I think we could see it suppressed, uh, much better. Remember that, uh, Melbourne, uh, Victoria State in, in, uh, in, in Australia, they were up to more than 700 a day, about 770 a day in their second wave. But they've now brought it down to, I think, 11 as of yesterday a day. So they can do it, but it, it's severe and there's going to be all kinds of cat, cat calling and, and, and screaming and shouting because it's so painful to go into total lockdown. We might do it, but I think it'll be a last resort. At the moment it's sector by sector. We've learned enough about this. Do you remember in the very beginning it was old folks homes. Do you remember from BC and Ontario, mainly old folks homes, almost half the cases, half the deaths were in old folks. Then it became uh, meat packing plants. Right, people working side by side a lot of energy for an eight hour shift all breathing each other's air that was where it happened and agricultural workers in their bunk houses and now it's moved into uh, the, 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 the contact traces have found that most of it's into mm-hmm. gatherings and semi-private commercial gatherings in bars and restaurants and parties and weddings and so on that's where the contact, tracers, where contact tracing leads us in point. so if we can nail those
1: Oh, we're, you're in uh, and out a bit
2: there. Rather than locking the whole thing. And who wants to lock everything down again? You want to bring the kids back out of school and uh, uh, it may happen to have to go to that. But let's try and avoid it first by sector-by-sector by sector
1: approach. So in your opinion, then, in terms of, of going toward a best-case scenario, uh, and the researchers uh, in this modelling also suggest, too, that stricter public health measures need to be put in place to ensure that we don't get to that 1,000 a day. So we just in the last few days, the Premier has put restrictions on bars and restaurants, closed strip clubs. What else should we be doing between now and late October? October.
2: Well, two, two things really. One is uh, is taking care of our own business. In other words, not letting a guard down. Uh, it is a it is a, a, a foreignness. I, I lived lived in Taiwan for a while. I visited Hong Kong dozens of times, and in those countries, it's not unusual. Even for long before pandemic came along, to wear a mask in public. You people see it. You see it in the subway. People in the scooter wearing a mask. Uh, but. I remember back in SARS one, TTC uh, drivers were uh, were asking to wear a mask, and they were told by, don't wear a mask. It, it might uh, it might scare people. Uh, I mean, we have got to get around that and, and normalize the wearing of the masks. So we're everywhere, we wherever we are, in a in a room with more than one person, we wear masks. If we're outside and lined up, it's not that important. If we're close to somebody, yes, we're in a mask. But yes, we shouldn't be questioning it. Uh, but more in a in the larger, if you're listening to what the contact traces are beginning to find. Because remember, they're going to infected and being traced, and it's where the where the lines crossed. Where did you go? Where were you? And the only one that stands out for for some people are going to be, it was that uh, event at the bar. It was that uh, hockey celebration. It was that homecoming celebration or that car rally or whatever the hell it was. And so that's where we've got to start concentrating on and eliminating that. But bar people, I mean, I sympathize with their The living is going down the drain if you have to close up. But they will admit that their takings happen after about 10 o'clock at night, 10 up to 12 or 1 o'clock. That's where they really rake in the money because the people are showing up at the bars and that's where the contact's happening. So, um,
1: Let's talk about part two of this.
2: I don't, I don't think we have. We're cutting out uh, all over the place here, I'm afraid.
1: Oh, I, I'm cutting out on you.
2: Wait, wait, wait. We can carry on if you like.
1: Okay, let's give it a try. Uh, <laughs> but you have provided us with some great information. I'm interested what you think about the second part of what the researchers are saying, that enough people will be sent to intensive care, if enough people are sent to intensive care, that we'll need to scale back on some surgeries. We saw that happening back in the spring. Have we not fixed enough to uh, discourage this from happening a second time?
2: No, I think I, I think what we're seeing fewer hospitalizations and serious cases because the average age has now dropped 15 to 18 years from what it was in the beginning. Younger people affected, but they're not uh, as serious as they were. But still, the impact on hospital uh, and health care the real problem uh, elective surgery is going to be down uh, and you don't want to be uh, uh, tying up now with winter illnesses yeah. people kind of will be arriving now with uh, influenza and, and that's going to be a, a problem with hospitals as well so we're going to try and avoid that so again a quick, sh- quick shout out for the flu shot if you didn't get it last year get it this year especially above all else yes we are certainly concerned with the impact on any, any of these health uh, uh, health institutions
1: Well, we will leave it there. You're right. The line is still kind of uh, a a bit iffy at the moment, but I have some callers who would like to weigh in on what you've said. So I thank you, Dr. Sly, for your time, as always. Much appreciated.
2: Anytime. Bye-bye.
1: Epidemiologist Dr. Timothy Sly at Ryerson University. Jane for Libby and your phone calls now. So based on what Dr. Sly was saying and how he uh, is analyzing the projections by some of his colleagues at U of T, University Health Network and Sunnybrook, about a 1,000 cases a day and what we need to do as we get into the colder weather as well. What are the answers? What should we do so that we don't put small business owners out of business, and yet we make sure that people are adhering to public health guidelines, masking and social distancing, and only staying with other people in their bubbles physically? 416-360-0740, toll-free, 866 740 4740 Let's go to Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. What's
3: on your mind. Thanks, Jane, for taking my call. Unfortunately the ball is in in our court and far too many people are not uh, following the guidelines that have been put into place. And they they don't think about the fact they they said, well, you know, it's they're not worried about themselves or their health, but they're not thinking of others. And uh, most importantly they're not they're forgetting that the potential impact on the economy Ah, uh, could be devastating, and i'm I'm not only concerned about the small business owners, but the government is not going to be able to spend the kind of money they did in the first wave. Uh, and so a lot more people are going to suffer unless we get we our act together. And uh, I don't know what that's going to take. Um, maybe we you know more restrictions are are what are necessary to get the message across to people. So they understand.
1: Was that a good idea of uh, reducing the late night hours at bars and restaurants?
3: Drop in the bucket. Yeah. As a good Drop starting point. Not sufficient. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I wonder if it will make a difference. You know, people say, well, people are still gathering up until 11 o'clock. They've had a few drinks by then. Is their behavior going to be all that different between, say,
3: 10 and 11 and uh, midnight and one o'clock? Well, the problem too with the indoor restaurants, and I have, I have actually seen it on two occasions. I, I don't go to the restaurant myself. I will do a pickup. But on two occasions when I was picking up, I, I saw groups of at least 20 to 30 people, not social distanced. Of course, they're not wearing masks, uh, in restaurants because they're catering to special events. And, uh, you know, in, when you're indoors, the risk goes up exponentially. So I, I, as much as it pains me, because I love to to dine out, but it pains me. But I, I really feel the a lot of the indoor things we're doing need need to be scaled back.
1: Oh, well, and you bring up an excellent point, and thank you for calling in uh, an excellent point about takeout. As we get into the colder weather and the patios close and you don't feel comfortable sitting inside a restaurant, so many of these restaurants will do takeout at the back door, uh, so you can still be supporting your local neighborhood restaurants, uh, still ordering food from them, still making sure that they have income, but you're not putting anyone at risk. And uh, yet you're contributing to their livelihood. 416 360 Toll free 1-866-744-740. Your impressions of 700 new cases announced today. Half of those are in Toronto, uh, a good chunk of them in Peel region, uh, as well as York and Ottawa as well. So COVID seems to be becoming very much a GTA phenomenon, GTA plus Ottawa. Do we need to put more restrictions in place, even specifically to the GTA? Let's go to Barry in North York. Barry, your comment. Well, great
4: information from Dr. Sly. Thank you very much.
1: Yes, thank you. I thought he was great, too.
4: Oh. I just wanted to add something. I saw on the TV the other day that there was an Aboriginal reservation in Alberta that did massive tests, but they did something that uh, a lot of people aren't, but we aren't doing. And that is they used influencers to get to the young people. And I'm going to call the mayor's office today and I'm going to suggest they do that because I think that's a really good way of getting to people. For so instance, you're you're Drake. talking
1: about like a Drake or somebody like that,
4: mm-hmm. exactly right,
1: right, and and you're right. They do have a lot of influence on in what they say, uh, especially if they're saying the right things, uh, can yeah. have a real positive effect players
4: and sports figures, people that that they look up to and that are kind of their age, yeah,
1: yeah, I think you're right and but and I also just want to make sure that people understand too that. I don't think there's an across the board disregard for public health guidelines by people who are under 40. When you think about all the people that work in retail, that work in bars and restaurants, what age are they? They're under 40. So they're going to be most at risk. So it's not risky behavior. It's behavior that they have to engage in because they, they, they need, uh, they need to have a paycheck.
4: Right, but the ones the ones that are going to the bars and things like that, the ones that are the car rallies, like Doctor Sly had, had right. mentioned, um, right. they they just don't have they don't get it. And I think it's separating the unselfish from the selfish people, since the mask basically protects the other person.
1: Right? Yeah, and then the spillover effect from the younger people spreading it to the older people. So. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Barry, thank you for calling in and thank you for listening today. Uh We'll have our strategy panel tomorrow, always a spicy conversation with what's happening in the news on the political scene here in Toronto, at Queen's Park and also on Parliament Hill. Uh, and if you'd like to leave a voicemail and uh, something comes to you later in the day about something we've discussed here on Fight Back, Our voicemail is open 24-7, 416-367-9636, 416-367-9636. Have a great day.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one.